Welcome once again to another episode of Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Before we get to our special guest today, because we're going to get radio war stories from another radio veteran who's been through the radio wars and has seen the scars and the wounds and the shells and the bombs and all that, uh, I'm going to just give you a couple of quick little stories here. I was thinking of these, these come to me all the time, kind of out of the blue, sometimes in the middle of the podcast. So this one goes back to when I worked at WNCI in Columbus, Ohio which was the big mother of a radio station back then, and it still is. Um, it's been around in its current format for, I don't know, 35, 36, 40 years, something like that. But we were on fire. This is about 32 years or so ago. It was, I think, Mickey Mouse's anniversary, something like that. So if Mickey Mouse was created in 19... I don't know, whatever it was, is his 50 or 60th birthday. So this local promoter decides to have Mickey Mouse's 60th birthday party or 50th or whatever it was. Oh, this will be cool. So we get like the State Theater or the Orpheum Theater or whatever, whatever it was, downtown Columbus, and every downtown has its State Theater that's, you know, like huge and beautiful. And so now we throw Mickey Mouse's 60th birthday party with like cartoons and uh, like, I don't know, whatever there was. It was mostly just like Mickey Mouse cartoons and and it sold really well. And uh, there was a ton of people there that brought their kids because they grew up with Mickey Mouse and their kids loved Mickey Mouse. And it was just great. It was so awesome. And uh, but But there was one thing that was missing was Mickey Mouse. We rolled out a big cake at the end and we sang happy birthday to Mickey, but he wasn't there. And parents were pissed. They're like, well, we waited through this whole show. We thought for sure that Mickey Mouse would be able to walk out on stage, and there's no Mickey Mouse. This is BS. I mean, we could have watched these Disney cartoons at home, but you know, we came down to you know as part of the experience to see Mickey Mouse, and my kid was... Well, it turned out the promoter thought that he could get a Mickey Mouse costume. He thought that he could just like you know call down to Florida, and they'd mail one up to him, or he could rent one. And um, uh, they don't do that. The the Disney people don't just, you know, loan out a Mickey Mouse costume. So this son of a bee didn't bother to tell any of us who were promoting this that there wasn't going to be Mickey Mouse at this birthday party. And we all looked stupid. We all took heat for it, especially me in the morning show because we were the main ones that promoted it. I brought my kids all the way down to the State Theater from 30 miles away to see Mickey Mouse, and you guys didn't even have him there. Yeah, I know. So those are Radio War Stories. I mean, that one's kind of just like a funny one. Uh, then there's a darker one where, um, uh, I think I might have told you this before, where some, somebody who tried to conspire to steal the morning show from me and uh, I don't want to give too many names because a lot of these people, you know what, I don't have it out for them. You know what, I don't really carry much of a grudge and I don't really want to embarrass anybody or, you know, get sued or anything like that. But um, uh, basically somebody, you know, was going behind my back to the program director and trying to steal the morning show away from me. And the program director um, said, uh, we've actually already got a morning show. We don't want you for the morning show. So I was pretty proud of him that he kind of stuck up for me and going, well, wait a second. How much are you going to charge us for this? So on with Radio War Stories, we had some emails in here. I'm going to get through these kind of quickly because I know that you really want to get to this week's uh, Radio War Stories guest. But I do have some really nice uh, um, emails that I wanted to pass along. Here is one from Bethany. Dave, I thought I'd shoot you an email and let you know I'm really enjoying Radio War Story series. I'll be honest, I don't really usually listen to your podcast. I love Minnesota Goodbye and uh, listen religiously, but I didn't listen to yours nearly as religiously. But this series definitely has my attention. I hope you can keep finding people to do the show. I know you like to get feedback, so I thought I'd share that with you. Love the whole morning show. Keep up the good work, Bethany. Bethany, thank you so much. And you know what? We are continuing. And I've got quite a few people on, da- on, on deck to do the show. So um, uh, it's as long as you keep listening, I will keep doing it. So thanks for the feedback. Uh, let's see. And I'm going to save that for another time. Uh, here's one. From Lorelai, she says, Dave, thanks for having Corey Foley on your podcast. I loved hearing her voice, her nasty stories, and the two of you banter. You two were my favorite dirty duo. Lena is a close second with her silent laughter and raunchy raps. It was pretty cool witnessing you help her find her rightful place in entertainment. You know how to pick them. 
Thank you, Lorelai. I'm, I'm, Lena's one of my most proud stories because Lena worked at a bank and had never been on the radio before. But, you know, we saw something in her that made us go, she's got it. And she did. Here's one from Brian in Texas. I've been listening to your podcast since day one. I'm from Texas. Been listening to your show and the podcast for many years. I really like the podcast. And I think you have some really good advice and love the radio war stories. I bought your book when it first came out, and I've always wanted to be on the radio, but my career took a different path. I even want to learn how to play the ukulele because of you. I recently started a podcast for the nonprofit I work for, and I mentioned your book for advice for people just entering the workforce. Just wanted to let you know. Uh, then he gives the release date, and if you look for In the Know by Brian Rodriguez, um, you can find it probably on the podcast app um, or you can go to uh, anchor.fm forward slash WTO to find that. Brian, I want to give you a little shout out there. So thank you very much, Brian, for listening. And la- now let's get right into the podcast um, because we got a really cool guest. And I love some of these guests that are working their ass off in these smaller markets but have these great stories because they love it so much. I mean, if you're working in a smaller radio market, and you've been there for a while, you're probably making good money. You know, you're you're doing just fine. But one of the reasons people stay in small markets is because they love it there. And they love radio so much. But these guys that have loved that have loved radio for so long, they've got some of the best stories. I mean, they've all got great stories. But let's get right into it. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Radio war stories, and here we go. Mark Anthony is in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and like me, Mark Anthony's been doing morning radio at the same radio station for a long-ass time. Mark, how long have you been at your current station in Knoxville? Uh, So it'll be 20 years next week. Uh, We've got a big celebration, I think. I I see some things running around the station, and I'm not privy to, so they got a nice little celebration looking like it's going to happen for us, which is cool. But yeah, 20 years in one spot, as you know, after your 74 years at KDWV, that it's a real... (laughs) really great to know that you know you can sit down and you can become a heritage morning show someplace and have good ratings and and a good run and so yeah I'm, we're real proud of it we're, we're just excited to hit that 20-year mark next week so what do you think they got in store for you i mean they can't do like a big party with listeners or whatever no so what do you what are you like leaning toward that they got in store for you i'm, I'm pretty sure I, I caught wind of a draft of an email sent out to a bunch of local you know the tv people and anybody that's been on your show and we've done a lot for charity i think they're all recording greetings and gonna oh, cool. put it on the air with us and 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 there had been talk a few years ago that you know we'd have a a band come in and do a little morning set. We'd invite listeners in, but Hey, here we are at COVID-19. So, um, that's not going to happen, but it doesn't matter because I wouldn't dedicate an entire show to that. Anyway, my programming department would probably freak out if I did, but it's going to be one of those, you know, spend the seven o'clock hour reminiscing and having, you know, some audio check-ins from people that we've had on the show over the years and people that have, uh, meant a lot to us. And so that's what we're looking forward to, I think. And that's what's probably happening. So let's, I mean, let's start here. I mean, how does one person, I mean, I know how I stayed at KWB for, for 27 years. How did you stay at the same job? You know, in our format, it's difficult to get older and the listeners stay about the same age. I mean, you know, they get older with you, but then, you know, the, the core listener, the target listener is still 25 or 28 years old. I mean, without getting into too much technical jargon, sure. how, how have you stayed relevant and, and how have you done so well for so long at one station? Um, well, I have three adult women children. I have uh, a 26-year-old, a 29-year-old, and a 31-year-old who are right in my demo. And so they'll listen. They'll listen for on the stream, and they'll text me, and they'll say, "Dad, why are you talking about old stuff?" Or you know, you know. And I and I, you know, luckily I have my producer who's just 29 years old, and and really, uh, we do a thing in the morning called the "Did you see's?" Where he'll say, "Did you see this? Did you see that?" And a lot of times he's bringing up stuff that we haven't seen because, you know, we're still clicking on links that, you know, I don't know, maybe a little more interesting to us than our audience. And so we have to, we're refining what we look at every day with the help of our producer. And of course, with my kids who are always my checks and balances on that. You know, that's really interesting because um, uh, it reminds me that when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old, I loved Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson was the shit. Oh yeah. probably older than my dad, but I never once thought of him as like an old out of touch guy because he was 
Johnny Carson and he was really cool. Um, so that was my lesson that, you know, you don't have to be 25 years old to relate to a 25 year old. And I'm sure you've, you've had this happen before where the 25 year old or the 30 year old or the 35 year old woman brings their five, 10 or 15 year old child up to you and says, we still listen to you. I listened to you when I was gr- growing up and I've got my kids listening to. So I think you grow an audience as long as you, you know, you got to be relatable and topical and, and all and local and all the stuff we've been taught in DJ school. But at the same time, you know, you grow listeners, you birth them and grow them up, you know, cause they're in the car when you're on the radio being taken to school in the morning. And so yeah. uh, I think generationally, generationally, we've been lucky to, to grow a new set of audience members. I get that a lot. I mean, I'm glad to hear that you do too. It's like, yeah, somebody will come up with their kids and say, yeah, I'm 43 years old and I've been listening to you since my mom used to take me to high school or whatever it was back in the day. So it's, it's a wonderful cool thing. thing. Um, you and I crossed paths before, and it's so funny how small this business is. And you had reminded me of a story, you know, we'll get to the war stories here in a minute. And this is just kind of like a, 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 an interesting story about how our paths will cross. You know, here we are 25 years since probably last time we really had a long discussion. That's but true. You were looking for a job at a station that I knew somebody and you were saying, Dave, how do I get in Mm-hmm. to the program director's mind on this back in Columbus at WNCI. Yeah, you had had a legendary run there like you have had everywhere you've been, except Phoenix, of course. Um, Phoenix and- is a disaster, yeah. <laughs> Other than disaster. that. Other than, you know, but we all have those little glitches in our resume. But no, no, you, um, I reached out to you. You and I have been prep friends for, God, 25, 30 years in terms of we're subscribed to the same services that give us news and information every day. And, and I had been contacted by NCI about, you know, moving my show to Columbus and I contacted you and I said, Dave, I said, I, you know, I, I, I'll send you my show on tape so you can listen to it so that you're not making a bad recommendation, but you know, the kind of prep that I'm into like you are, and I think, you know, the kind of show I do. And so you put in a good word with Dave Robbins and then that ridiculous series of domino effects started to fall where death and all sorts of stuff got involved and I missed out on that job and I've been through Columbus since then and it's a great town I mean for God's sake what a great college town that is but um, I was able to move on to some other good gigs after that I was very very happy with them but at the same time you know that speaks to you and I think anybody that listens to this um, you know and people in our industry that listen to this know what kind of guy and a leader you are for people like me and we've you know known each other forever but you know people in our industry that you look up to, you're definitely one of those. And so when I reached out to you, you could have just said, Hey man, you know, I don't really know you that well. And I'd be kind of weird about letting somebody else know about your stuff, but you were right in there. You called this guy and put in a good word for me. And while it didn't work out, it, it meant a lot. And, you know, and like I said, forevermore, we've connected on these services that we share ideas with. And, and I've always respected the kind of guy you are beyond the kind of jock you are because, you know, guy first, jock way second or third. So well, you know, and I appreciate that. I think I, because I've had like enough people help me, um, oh, yeah. you know, they help you in different ways, whether they coach you, whether they're patient with you, uh, whether, you know, Dave Robbins helped me get this job and listening to the podcast, nobody knows who Dave Robbins is. And, you know, he passed away a few years ago, but he was a friend, mentor and boss to me. And then when I was out of work in Phoenix, after I got just hammered down there in the rating, oh, God. I got fired. So he put in a good word for me here at KWB. So, uh, and it ended after, up being the job of your lifetime. Yeah, I mean, really, seriously, the job of a lifetime. And uh, so, after he helped me get the job, I was like, "Well, I should buy him a present or something." So, Dave Robbins was a Civil War ner- nerd. So, I found some Civil War like battlefield souvenir online or wherever I found it, and I mailed it to Dave Robbins and crossed my fingers. I thought. Holy shit, I hope he likes this because <laughs> this is like the weirdest fucking present ever. And uh, it was like a it was like a bullet or a shell or something from a Civil War battlefield. And Dave Robbins like, man, that's really fucking cool, man. That's cool. That's, oh, cool. that's cool. That's cool. Because you never know how a gift is gonna turn out when somebody gets God, it. Well, like, you know, you put a bullet into somebody's mailbox, it means something different completely. So that's actually <laughs> that's actually a good thing. Oh, that's funny. Not that well, I know from experience or anything. Oh, yeah, right. Well, let's get right into some of the war stories. And I'm looking at you. You know, you, you gave me a little summarization of some of these. And um, the uh, Soviet premier, Mikhail oh. Gorbachev, 
um, <laughs> plays into one of your war stories. He was around what, like the eight late eighties or early nineties? Yeah, because I, I know it was, I know it's nineteen ninety because I was working at WAVA in Washington at the time. It was Donna Mike in the morning and George McFly at night, and I would come on right after George McFly. And at like midnight, one two in the morning, my phone rings, the request line rings, and and it's this Russian man speaking, and he's uh, from the Russian consulate and Mikhail Gorbachev at the time was in Washington, D.C., visiting, Ron, I guess, Reagan or Bush or whoever at the time was the president. I think it was Bush, Bush one, and said that before Mikhail Gorbachev leaves America, he'd like to address the radio. He'd like to address the American public on the radio. And I thought, oh, for God's sake, what? And I, you know, and on the request line, are you kidding me? So yeah, right. it's weird. Yeah, I know. So, you, so, you know, I was a little skeptical. Granted, I'm 24 years old at the time, 25. I, you know, I'm thinking, what do I do? But interesting thing about working in Washington, D.C. is that the list of numbers that you have up for emergencies in the studio involves the Secret Service. You know, it's D.C. And so, sure, yeah. so I, I put... I, put, I said, do you? Co I said, could you hold on one second so I can get you on the air? You know that little trick we pull. Like I need to connect you through, and of course they're already connected through. So I put them on hold, and a guy named Carl Phillips and Dave Edgar were at the station late doing some production. When I said, what do I do? They said, let's call the Secret Service. And so we called the Secret Service, and I said, hey, Mark Anthony, WAVA, and we have got somebody on the phone here who is claiming to be with Mikhail Gorbachev and wants to, you know, address American radio people. And I'm thought, oh. And I said, so the guy on the phone said, um, is that who's currently on, on hold on your line two there? And I oh. thought, well, and I said, as a matter of fact, that, that is correct. They said, that's fine. Just hold on one second. And then about 10 seconds later, that the line just disappeared. And I said, okay, well, they've hung up. Didn't think another thing about it. Well, my shift ends at two in the morning, two fifteen, two thirty. I'm leaving after I do the show and some production, and there in the parking lot is this black car, and two guys step out of the car in suits. And I thought, okay. And they said, and the guy holds out a badge, and he goes, are you Mark Anthony? I said, yes. He goes, Lee Fields, and I'll never forget the game, name, Lee Fields Secret Service. I said, oh, hi. He goes, wanted to let you know who your callers were. It was an American university student and his friends in Russian studies who were having a good time pranking you. We went out there, we scared the shit out of them, and they'll and we'll ne probably never call you again. Guy gave me a Secret Service blazer, a hat, his business card. I still have it to this day in a frame, and it was just one of those times you just thought, how in the world did they know who was online on, on hold on line two? It was just remarkable. It was like, oh, wow. And I know. so they these pranksters oh yeah i mean you know it's one of those things where you're like not sure whether to believe them or not and it's like well i'm gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt because it really might be gorbachev but it was these two russian language students that's all it was two russian language students at american wow. university and the funny thing about that is that the morning show don and mike were at one point i think before that the first american radio station to ever do a broadcast in russia and of course i i knew of that and that may have been even years earlier before i got there but at the same time this radio station had been involved in a in something to do with russia so you know what's going to happen with you know matt matt farber my my pd would you know the next day come in and says so we got a call from the consulate this morning he says you wouldn't put on mikhail gorbachev last night um so i didn't want to <laughs> i didn't want to miss out on the opportunity and so i contacted the secret service and they said and and to this day it just the guy on the phone says is that who's on hold on line two and i I was like, wow. how, how, how do they know that? And so, yeah, Dude, that that's scary. phone went away. There they were in the parking lot and hooked me up some, uh, some prizes, you know, which is great. You know, we don't oh, often win prizes. We, we give away the prizes. We don't often get the hats and the, and the, and the jackets. Well, right. And not a blazer from the secret service. And that's not right. often you walk off your shift and walk out the parking lot. And there's a, a black car with a couple of guys that want to talk to you. That doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen. Uh, I, you know, it, it reminds me of a story of not believing who was on the phone. Um, one goes back a long, long time that, um, uh, I mean, like in 1980, when Neil Diamond was still making hits, there was somebody oh, yeah. who was pranking the radio station and he was, had the night guy absolutely convinced that he was Neil Diamond and he would like, <laughs> and, and, and it was somebody, it was like one of the other guys at the station and he was like, so and it's like, yeah, Neil Diamond's calling me. Neil Diamond's calling me to talk about his new song. They're like, Neil Diamond's not fucking calling you. <laughs> No, he is. They're like, really? So then they kind of strung him along. Then, uh, and then they like, you know, revealed that 
like at the Christmas party or whatever, the guy was, you know, totally humiliated, but, uh, which was funny. Uh, but then Lindsay <laughs> Lohan was in town about 15 years ago, making a movie. So okay. we got a billboard that said, Lindsay called Dave Ryan at this number. Well, she never called, but the billboard was right up where the movie set was, and she never called. And I'm certain she saw it, or one of her coworkers or his co-stars saw it. And Lindsay Lohan was a big name at the time. And uh, we talked to her about a year later about the movie. And I said, you know, we had a billboard, and you never called. She said, I did call. I called, and they didn't believe it was me, so they hung up on me. Oh, like, my are God. you freaking kidding me? <laughs> the inverse Crazy. of that is the time that uh, we did, like I'm sure you did at some point, we did the Who Do You Know contest where yeah. we offered people the opportunity to get a celebrity call in. We'll give you 2500 for your favorite charity, uh, 2500 for the celebrity's favorite charity. And we this was right after Bob Dole had lost to Bill Clinton in the election at the time when, you know, Bob Dole was making this surging run at the end and he was tireless and he was, you know, this 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 love for Bob Dole really evolved just before he ended up losing, and so um, we were just sitting around the house one day, and the phone rings, and someone called us from Master Control at the NBC affiliate here in in, in our town in, in Madison, and said, um, "I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but I think Bob Dole is going to mention you tonight on the Tonight Show because they record that at 5:30, and then people in, in Master Control at, at different local affiliates around the country will see it as it's being recorded." And so what happened was Bob Dole went on with Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, and then they were sitting around talking, and Jay Leno said these words. He goes, so I understand you were on the radio recently. And Bob Dole, in about 30 seconds, described the contest, the Who Do You Know contest, better than I did in months of doing it or weeks of doing it. He said, he goes, he goes yeah, I was on uh, the Mark and Vicky show on Z104 in Madison, and a, a woman named Tanya Stark got me to call in, and, uh, and uh, I ended up winning the contest and uh, some money for her charity and some money for my charity. And so Jay Leno goes, and I understand you had to uh, had to win by beating out Cindy Crawford, who called in. He goes, yeah, I hated to do that, but, you know, and it was a big laugh, and and I'm sitting there, and, and so I'm. You know, it's eleven thirty, you know, quarter to twelve. Well, actually, I was in the Central Time Zone, so you know, ten thirty at night for for the Leno show, and I'm literally screaming like, "Oh my God, my name and my show and my radio station are being mentioned right now on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno." It was one of the freakiest experiences because I couldn't believe when the guy called me and said, "Hey, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna be mentioned on the Tonight Show tonight." I'm like, "Say what? Wow. No way!" So it was crazy. It was it was wild. You know, these are the stories that, you know, that, that a lot of our listeners don't know about. I mean, if you, if it happened in 96, you might repeat the story once in a while, but it's one of those very cool stories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm proud of that one. I am proud of it, but you don't, you know, you don't tell your 2021 audience, you know, what happened to me in 1996 because you know, it's a little uh, less than topical. Let's just say. It's like, that was before I was born, old man. I don't care. Now, I'm not sure when the Secret Service, you, you know, you're proud of that one, but there was one run in with the Secret Service that you're not as proud of. Well, I guess, you know, when we all did the bit, when they started changing over the currency to the new, the new designs, uh, especially the $20 bill. And this is 97, 98. And who knew that in the place I was living at the time that we had a secret service field office, which is a division of the treasury department. Let's remember that. Okay. So the treasury okay. department and the secret service are linked. And so we're doing a big prank on the air that day that if by Friday you haven't collected up all your $20 bills and exchange them for the new $20 bills that they weren't going to be good anymore. And so, <laughs> Genius. And so, and so uh, the GM comes down the hall at nine fifty-five as we're getting off the air and he goes, um, I think there's people here to see you. Um, we have a treasury department here in this, in the city and they'd like to talk to you. And I thought, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. And I walked down and two just casually dressed in, you know, suits kind of guys and said, um, we need you to go back on the radio if you can and tell people that you're just kidding. And I said, well, understand that before we did the bit at six o'clock, we always alert our six o'clock listeners of the pranks we were doing in the seven o'clock hour. And so I said, before we even did this bit, I said, this is a prank. Everybody's going to be listening, be part of the conversation, jump in, call us and say, yeah, I've, I rounded up on my twenties and we're going to be taking them to the bank today, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. And uh, needless to say, they still insisted that I jump back on the air. So the midday person, Tommy Bodine had to, um, had to take out, take himself off the air. We had to go back on for a very long-winded explanation of what we had done and, and why you shouldn't worry about getting your money in before it expires. Money never expires. Wow. That's a, that's a great bit, though. Seriously. I mean, if I would have thought about that one, I would have done that one, too. 
Uh, yeah, well, but, you yeah. know, but then again, you know, it's never nice to have legal legal people show up to your business to tell you that you've done something wrong legally, especially when you're talking about currency and all that stuff. It was it, yeah. it freaked me. Out. It freaked me. You got you know, we we toe the line a little less now that we're getting a little older. <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I think that I, I totally get that. It's kind of funny because, um, uh, you know, I've talked to Bobby Bones a couple of uh, episodes ago, and Bobby Bones had a run in with the FCC and how they fined iHeartRadio and iHeartMedia a million dollars when he accidentally ran an <gasps> EBS test yes. on his show. And, and yes. he had no idea, total accident. It wasn't even a joke or anything. He's playing like an old YouTube clip, and there was a, a EBS test tone on there. So it set off alarms all over the I was going to say, didn't it send – so effectively, I guess they were – one of the, I guess, a lead chain station and to set other, set that off off at other radio stations down the chain from a syndicated spot. And that's just, that. Uh, wow, that's that makes yeah. your heart wrench because you know he didn't do anything, and then all of a sudden, you know, your company's on the hook. Le- needless to say, I would not survive that. Bobby Bones, on the other on the other hand, <laughs> you know, he survives that, moves on, and thrives. So, wow. Okay, well let's uh, let's talk about the time that uh, you um, uh, you smashed a window. Oh boy! To break into your own building and tell us about this on Radio War Stories. Okay, Dave. Um, you know when you're a young stupid jock and it's in the middle of the night. You know midnight to five. I don't know what. I think we all didn't get to start as morning men like maybe you do, you did. But um, oh God, no. I mean, I worked <laughs> I, I worked at a religious station. I worked midnight to six at the radio station. I was. I mean, I worked at a station that had almost no listeners and it was a six hour shift and it was all oh. live and it was really painful. So I've been there too. All right. So it's the middle of the night and we had a seven 11 right across the street and we very easily, we had, we had, you know, cart three had cart decks enough the way that we used to play music with carts, you know, eight track style carts that would go in and with trip tones, they would flip off the next cart and the jingle would play. And then the next song would play. And so, uh, the most I, time I could be gone for was, a you know, the length of two songs and two sweepers and maybe a promo if you had, I think we had four or five cart decks. So, all right, I'll go cross the street to the Seven Eleven, get myself a big gulp, get myself a burrito. Put a put a rock in the door because not anybody had the key. Okay, nobody had a key oh, to the building right. because back in the old days when it was a twenty four hour business, when we didn't have automated overnights, the door was always open. You could always get in. So I put a rock in the door, ran across the street, got my burrito, got my soda. When I came back, the door had closed and the rock was just inside the door. Oh and I thought, no! And I thought, oh my god, I'm I'm literally panicking. This is my second third job I've never ever had and and I mean I literally didn't know what to do and there was no cell phones back in this day there was just none I mean maybe a car phone but a bag phone I didn't have one and so I just literally found another rock in the garden behind the radio station smashed the window got in before the second song was over Nothing yes. happened on nobody. Nobody knew anything. So I well, so I got to think like think to myself, well shit, what am I going to do now? Well, I called the cops and I said, hey, yeah, um, some asshole just came over and threw a rock right through the window. I, 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 I'm scared. I don't, could you send somebody over? Wow. And so, and so good they, thinking though, Mark. I mean, well, seriously, quick good thinking. It was either that or tell the truth. And a lie is almost always going to keep you out of trouble. So yeah, lie keeps you out of trouble. But lies keep you, uh, keep you employed. And then, <laughs> and so I, I cops came over and they're and they're looking the whole thing did you make you know make and model the car i didn't really see it blah 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 the whole thing and the last thing of course i'm thinking oh great fine okay i'll go back i'll be on the radio they're gone it's no big deal nobody ever find out anything there's no cameras blah 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 until of course they grabbed at the rock and they said well we'll take this back to the police station and we'll we'll brush it for fingerprints and and i thought i thought what do you do now? I said, okay, well, you know, let me know if you find who, uh, you know, who it was. <laughs> you know? I've never heard another word and I'm not sure. Never heard another word. So, another so word. your general manager, your boss, he or she never said, uh, Mark, I need to talk to you about that rock. They never had an idea. Well, at that point in time, my fingerprints were on file with the FBI. You know, I hadn't had, yeah. uh, hadn't had my run in with the secret service at this point yet. So uh, I don't think, you know, honestly, it's a local police department in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm not necessarily sure that they're going yeah. to be, you know, dusting for fingerprints, but they wanted to sound official and I officially shat my pants. So yeah. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, here's the question, Mark, what's the lag time that you would have felt safe? You would not have told that story on the air like two weeks later. 
Oh, so, I, Dave, I, I'm not sure I've ever told that story on the air. Really? You know, okay. I'm not. I'm not sure I have. I, you know, I, there's been an. You know, there's a statute of limitations on a lot of crimes. <laughs> I don't know. Breaking back and that company. You know, the company's long gone. The radio station's long gone. So I mean, you know, maybe when we're reminiscing at the 20th birthday party, you know, the craziest thing that I ever did on a radio show, and I might tell it then. But as of right now, it still makes my little ass clutch when I think about it. So you know, and thank you for sharing the whole story with us for the first time uh yes yes there's always these these things that you know a lot of radio horror stories or war stories are not your fault you just happen to be there but some of them are like almost confessions and once in a while we get a confession and it's always like well how long should i wait before i can openly tell this story yeah, and, I, uh, I, I, I just it feels I feel like I've purged. This has been cathartic. As a matter of fact, I might jump on at Fesshole on Twitter and see if I can fit that into <laughs> 280 characters. <laughs> well, one that we told, you know, it's when I do these podcasts, it always reminds me, you know, I try not to make it about me, but you always remind me of, you know, something that we did. And it's like, well, how long, how much time lapsed from the time we suspended me? I got suspended in about 1994 or five. Okay. And for 10 years or more, people would say, hey, what did you get suspended for? What did you get suspended for? Mm-hmm. And I would always say, I can't talk about it. <laughs> because, well, the truth was, and you know what the truth was, because you're a radio guy. The radio, the truth was, it was a stunt. I didn't get suspended yes. for anything. And so I finally told that story on the air, maybe five years ago. I'm like, hey, I got a confession to make. And I forget how, why we brought it up. But it was like, you know what? Enough time has passed. You don't really care anymore. Maybe you'll laugh at this. But when I got suspended, I it was probably my idea. I was in right. a hole. So exactly. would, did you get any, any negative feedback on, on that? No, I, not at all. I, I remember the people who did remember it and commented were like, okay, you know, I always wondered whether yeah. you got suspended or I wondered what that was. Now, have you ever time. really been suspended? Let me think about that. Um, I no. have. How you did just, you get suspended? Well, uh, you know, we, we were, well, and it's been in the, gosh, it was like only like 10 years ago. Um, I, I've, uh, let's just say I've chilled a bit as a morning host over the last decade or more. You know, I'm okay. a little less uh, volatile than I used to be. I was a okay. bit of an edgier fellow. And so when my f- uh, female co-host was shunned and talked down to by a, uh, another female co-host in the market, um, I went on the air next day and ranted and lit, I mean, ran, and I never talk about competition ever. I just, not something I've ever done. I've been very lucky that, um, most situations I've been, we've been at the top of the game. So we don't talk about people, you know, below us trying to chirp at us to try to get us to talk about them. But buddy, you know, it's like we can pick on each other. We can have fun at each other's expense, but something comes in from the outside and it just, it just raises my hackles. And so I got so pissed off that I just started, you know, this, you know, and this person who was rude to my co-host had a reputation for being a bit of a bitch. And so, I just let her have it on the air. I just, I just, I just said, you know, I just said everything. And so their GM called my GM. My GM said, dude, dude, you, you yeah. sit down, sit down three days. You're not getting paid and we'll see you back here and maybe, maybe give you your job back. Now, granted, I was going to get my job back, but I tell you, it, it, it was, you know, nobody wants to ever even think about getting fired. But man, it was, ooh, but the three day suspension set me straight. It really, it did turn me around. It made me think. You know, the people that are listening, sometimes they give a damn about those little internal crap things that happen between, you know, coworkers or radio hosts. But, you know, entertain them, make them laugh, make them cry, poke them in the eye a little bit. But don't don't sit there and get get crappy on the radio about other people. It just it just sounded really bad and really immature and, and really unprofessional. And it was, uh, you know, it's the first and only time I've been suspended and knock on wood, hopefully the last. A couple of comments on that. Number one, three days is a long suspension. Okay. Ooh. That is a long suspension. Number two, um, radio suspensions. I've rarely heard of anybody really getting suspended. And number three, uh, you know, you're right. I don't like when competitors talk about each other. It sounds so amateurish. And I always say, do you ever hear the CEO of Coca-Cola take out a, you know, a newspaper ad blasting the CEO of Pepsi? Do you ever hear the CEO of Wendy's ever talk shit about the CEO of McDonald's? You know, it's the only business where, you know, you got some people who are not necessarily, you know, 
sometimes the most professional people and oh, sometimes yeah. they can be frustrated because we are measured very, very, very personally by ratings. Mm-hmm. So when you come back and you're in eighth place, it's personal. It's really personal. And, and if you're in first place, it's really personal, but I've never really liked, as a matter of fact, never. I think maybe when I first had my first morning job in Las Vegas, I would make some jokes about the guys across the street right. and I just didn't like it. And then, so we never made fun of, and I just never respected the DJs that would make no. fun of other morning shows. And you mentioned something, you mentioned the word personal, you know, uh, how often have you been told, you know, it's business, it's, it's, it's not personal, like a, like a bad air check session when you're with your boss or, you know, you get some feedback from somebody and well, why are you taking it so personally? I, I couldn't imagine a job other than what we do for a living that you, that is more personal. And if it's not personal, then you're not, then you're not being yourself on the radio. And one of the old things, one of the things we've learned over the years is that one of the hardest things to ever learn, especially as a morning personality is to how to be yourself and how to really open up and show yourself. And so, you know, I worked for a guy until just the last couple of years who couldn't understand why I would take these air check sessions so personally is why are you so personal? I'm going to stop you there for just for a second. So to the uninitiated, Tell us what an air check session is. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. Yes, no, when, okay. we, when we sit around after a show um, and we come in, you know, all hyped up from the show and then we listen to the show with the people that make the decisions about who gets to stay employed and who gets to stay on the radio. <laughs> and, and, then they, and then they tell you, you know, they, they say things like, so, so how would you have done that differently? You know, how would I have done it differently? I did it that way because that's how I do it. And this is just, so it's a review session, the way anybody would sit about, sit around and talk about their job in a, in a, in a review. Sure. So, yeah. so daily or weekly, you know, depending on the program director that you work for, um, they would sit down with you and listen to the show. And then we would work out, you know, how to do things or to, to amplify something we've done, or maybe we could have gone a different direction, or maybe we talked too long whatever the case may be. And so I worked for a guy whose first thing out of his mouth, every single time he would listen to a break would be, so how could you have done that differently? And then I, we'd, then we would argue with him like what, differently. We did it that way. Cause that's how we felt about it. That's how we, yeah, that's yeah. how we, that's how we interpret the bit. That's the funny that we bring to it. That's what, how do we do it differently? Well, why are you taking it so personally? Oh my God, is there a job that you can take less personally than this? Then maybe I need to go work it because it is who you are. And we're lucky to work in a profession where you can be judged and then paid very well to be yourself. But that is the hardest thing. And you try to teach these young guys how to do this, how the hardest lesson is to be yourself. And then you expose yourself to, you know, being, uh, you working at a job that is very personal. And so when you say, you know, take it personally, it is a personal business and, and you feel it right in the gut when somebody tells you something that you don't want to hear, like sit down, you're suspended for three days. <laughs> well, you know, that's so funny. And I'm going to let you in a, a little peek behind the curtain too. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, um, we radio people are the worst with getting our feelings hurt. Oh, my and God. And what I mean by that, because it is so personal. For example, you know, the old joke goes, we can get 20 positive emails, say, Dave, you are the best, and this is the greatest show, and I just love it. But you get the one that says, your show's not as good as it used to be. You know, I just don't listen anymore. You guys are tired. It's stupid now and whatever. And that's the one that just keeps you up at night. And, and I tell really people... Is- uh, I tell people all the time, trolling happened to radio DJs long before there was an internet, <laughs> long so before there was Twitter and Facebook and all the other bullshit. Man, we would get we get letters to the radio station telling us how bad we sucked. Okay, yeah. people sat down with a piece of paper and a pen, and they would write down how shitty your show was. So yeah, you'd get great phone calls. You put people on the radio, and then the one person would say something that you didn't like, and it would set you off. And so yeah, it's the most personal business in the world because you know you think about people are like actors they're playing another role you think about local television personalities and like news personalities they're reading the news you know we're the handful of entertainers that are paid to be ourselves and you're not successful unless you're really good at being yourself and so yeah it, it, it sucks when somebody says something but now i think with maturity we can say look you know, we've had enough experience that we know that there's going to be people out there that are jealous of what we do or just literally don't like us. I used to tell people, well, then, you know, screw you, go somewhere else. There's other radio stations. Now I'm just like, hey, man, 
you know, I'm not your cup of tea. I understand that. I appreciate you calling just to tell me that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go drive my Porsche home and uh, go to my 5,000 square foot house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's so funny. You know what? I admire you for doing that because there's a part of me, uh, Mark, that when I get those, I do want to say, fuck you. You know what? Yeah. Then you don't deserve to listen to this station. Then you don't deserve to be a part of this family. If you don't, if you don't, you know, support us, then you don't deserve the. It's not a privilege, and that sounds way too arrogant. It's certainly not a privilege to listen to my show. It's a privilege that to me to have you listen to my show. Right. But there right. is part of like you know, if you don't want to be supportive, then we don't want you here. We don't want you to be part of the family. But yeah. I, you know what? You're a bigger person than me. You're a better no. person. Doubtful, very doubtful. I've told you I've had to bite my tongue on many occasions because of what I want to say. But, you know, it's just like the way I look at it now is everything is on camera now. Every doorbell has a camera. Every street corner has a camera. I'm so cognizant now of anything I do or say might come back to haunt me that I really, truly have learned to measure and make sure that what I say is what I really want to say and, and, and the repercussions of such and what it could do to my life, which, you know, like I said, I've been very happy and very successful and, and, and I just don't want to mess it up. You know, we're getting too close to the finish line to worry about messing things up and, <laughs> and, 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 and walk down, you know, and then just have to hang your head and go work at a car dealership. I just, I've seen too much of that with radio people from stupidity more yeah. than anything else. You know, the business with the, with the, you know, with the attrition that this business has, it gets rid of people anyway. You don't have to help the process. And so it really has helped me become a better broadcaster because I really think about the things I'm going to say before I didn't. I really didn't. And especially if somebody called in to rip us, man. I was like, hey, man, hey, we get it. If you're not smart enough to follow along, then, you know, there's other radio stations for you. Stuff like that. And so I just, I just don't do that anymore. I just try not to. You know what? I Like I said, I admire you because that is something that I either delete it or I will write back and, and, and it's not always like super confrontational, but you know, for example, okay, I'm going to open up a little bit here on something that, you know, happened on our show, Steve on our show, Mm -hmm. great guy, friend of our show, lovely guy, great person. One of the best people in the building, everybody's friend. He was laid off because of budget cuts, uh, first of November. And, uh, and I told people on the show, I said, you know, I told Jenny and Fallon and Tina on our show, I said, I will have been through this uh, down, down this road before, I guarantee you that people will say the show sucks. I'll never listen again. It's not going to be the same. I said I've been down this road a dozen times, and people always swear the show is going to suck. Don't let, don't take that to heart. Right. And so um, we still get three months later. You know, you know the show sucks without Steve. And now I don't confront them necessarily, but I do say this: I say we've moved on. We can't live in the past. Steve's not coming back. We've moved on. We're proud of the way the show sounds. We're mm-hmm. proud of the way that we've recovered. We're proud of ourselves. I'm proud of the people on the show. And, so, what, and what people don't realize and may not know this about you is that um, you, you know, on the Dave Ryan show, you've had a, a revolving cast of characters for years. And yeah. still, this speaks to what you are as a talent. It says, wow, this guy can mold everybody to fit the roles that they need to play on the show and work well with others. I remember, you know, in elementary school, you'd get the unsatisfactory or the satisfactory for plays well with others. I Uh mean, because you've had people come through the way you've had, it does show that, yes, you have that ability to make everybody feel comfortable in their role. We've had a situation where I've been with the same partner now for 20 straight years. The only thing that's changed has been the producer of the program. We've had um, we had the legendary Frank Murphy for eight years, who was, you know, off of the Kevin and Brian, uh, Kevin and Bean show and the Mark and Brian show and the Don and Mike show. Um, he was, was on with us for eight years down here. And when he moved down the hall to do his own show, um, people were like, you know, wow, what are you guys going to do now? And so we hired somebody else completely different, who had a different skill set. And within a couple of three months, people started to like him the way they liked our first producer. And then when he had his run for four or five years, we brought in somebody else with different quirks and features and all the things that make him special and unique. And, you know, we have the ability to amplify that and put that on a pedestal and let people see it. And, and, you know, that to, to me, has been our formula for success is that, you know, we can have fun with everybody and 
when the ugliness happens, when people want to say, well, your show sucks without Frank or your show sucks without Tyrone or blah, 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 we'll say, hey, can you give the new guy a chance? You'd want a chance if you were new to a job, wouldn't you? Yeah, and then, good one. And we have often seen people come back later on and say, gosh, you know, I was so scared when Frank left that I didn't think the show would be the same. But Tyrone brings a whole different element. And then when he left, now Will Meyer brings a whole new element. So, you know, that's the thing is that as long as you've got the constant, the Dave Ryan, you know, the Mark and Kim, then our producers and the ancillary characters can can jump in and, and, and become part of it. I just, you know, I've exhibited patience now that even surprises me when it comes to stuff like that. Because you know, like you, I want to jump right down their throat sometimes. Well, I think, you know, it's kind of like uh, people who take complaints all day at Target or at a restaurant or something like that. It's like, you know, you can't fight back with them. You just have to say, you know, I'm sorry. I'll well, do you my can best. on your last day. You, you can, you can fight that. back on your last day. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody off on my last day that's ever criticized our show. Sometimes you know, we, we, we get into trouble for something that is a human, not a flaw, just a fuck up and just a mistake. And you have experienced that, which is pretty much every DJ's nightmare, where you innocently have, what do you have, a cup of coffee in the studio? No, no, it was a soda. uh, Worse than a coffee. Yeah, because at the time, that was before I went to diet drinks. And so what's in in one of those, you know, fully leaded Coca-Cola's is sugar. And you're talking about the time I dropped a drink and it just poured right over the board. Um, and I watched every, you know, we, we run this board. And when I say board, for those of you who aren't in radio listening to this, um, it's just a control board with a bunch of slide pots and buttons to turn things on and volumize them up or down. And, and so this drink just, I mean, like a tsunami going across, going across a landscape, it just went, and I watched every pot those individual slides up and down one by one by one by one, just click off. The only thing left was one pot and it was the microphone. (laughs) It it went from, went from right to left and the left, very left pots were the microphones. That was the only thing that survived that. And so until we could literally find a way to play it off, uh, play music or commercials off other sources, it was, and, and, and boy, getting sugar out of these pots, you know, like the, the, the liquid all filled with sugar, oh, yeah. literally one of the, like, I thought, oh gosh, the career is done. It's over. I'm, I'm done. You know, just forget, I can't afford to replace this board, this thirty-five, forty thousand dollars board. I can't, you know, I can't do that. It was just, it was a scary moment. And I just, so needless to say, my coffee and my water in the morning are way behind me on a table that I have to walk away to go get, never bring close to the board again. You, you know what? You're a smart man. That is, I'm going to knock, I'm going to knock on wood here, Mark. That has never happened to me. I might have dribbled like a drop of coffee onto the board, but never had the disaster. And my God, just seeing like a big oh, gulp. Let me tell you something. When I was awful. at when I was at WAVA, Don and Mike, Don, Don Geronimo, uh, had the Seven Eleven Big Gulp, and he lifted it up by the lid and dropped oh. the entire Big Gulp, thirty-two ounces of soda, on the board. This different different station altogether. Dropped it on the board, and the radio station literally went off the air for hours. Whoa. They had to move the morning show, this three-person morning show, into a production room. And that radio station was rinky-dink to begin with, just as small as can be and tight fit. And for weeks, weeks, they had to sit there in that little production room and do that show because of a big gulp spilled across the board. And, and I thought to myself, because that hadn't happened to me by that point in time, I was like, God, that'll never happen to me. Yep. I'll never do that. And then there I was doing the same damn thing. Was a guy down the hall from our station uh, that uh, worked at the oldie station, and one of the nicest guys in the building spilt coffee. And you know, it's like you spill coffee on a restaurant, you spill you know, a drink at a table, or your your parents' house, and you, you know, it happens to us. You reach for the glass, and it's farther away than you think. Oh, yeah. and it's just like shit. But oh. at the radio station, he had spilt it into the board, and he felt terrible and the engineers had to come in and clean it up and that's where they take everything out and they clean and put alcohol or whatever it is they do to get all the gunk off of there and he felt so bad he stayed there all day to (laughs) watch 
and thank and encourage. And there was not a thing that he could do except maybe, can I run down and get you a sandwich? But the, the reason he stays at the radio right. station is because there's nothing worse than being called at home to come back to get fired. It's better just to be there <laughs> and, and get fired before you get home. You get a sandwich. You sit down. You put the TV yeah. on. And, hey, um, do you mind coming back to the radio station? We need to talk to you about something, which, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that, yeah. That, my, that my worst firing had where I came back to the radio station to get fired after doing something stupid you know, where they just said, um, yeah, obviously we're not going to be needing you anymore after you told the representative for Coca-Cola that their contest sucked. But, you know, hey, we all have our first job experience. Wait, is, this a, is this a real story? Okay, so. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. So I, this is this is my first radio job, 94Z, WZZU, Raleigh, North Carolina, and we had this contest within the jocks on the radio station. If we did something, I cannot remember what the contest was, then we would be able to escort a listener on this trip to New York City to see this concert, blah, 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 blah. Well, I had won within the rest of the jocks this thing. It was a quiz on something or something stupid, and it was the one who got to escort these listeners to this thing in New York. Well, let's just say it got screwed up enough that we didn't go. So about two weeks later, I've done a midnight to 6 a.m. shift. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, and my phone rings, and I answer it. And they're like, hey, this is Coca-Cola calling. We just wanted to check in and see how you like the trip. And I said, oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> because of this mess up and that mess up and this and that and the other, we didn't get to go. And, it, oh. and, and blah, blah, blah. I'm literally 21 years old, 20, 21, whatever. I, I, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. I hang up the phone. About 20 minutes later, I get a phone call from my program director. Hey, could you um, – could you come into the radio station? I said, well, what's going on? They said, did you just get a call from Coca-Cola? I said, yeah, let me tell you, man. I told them this and I told them that and blah, blah, blah. They said, yeah, come on in. <laughs> oh, and no. I got in there and they just said, yeah, got to tell you that you talked to, uh, you talked to Coca-Cola who spends about $60,000 a year on this radio station. And they're, uh, they're, they're, it's It's a you or them situation. And, uh, oh. you're making, you're making $7 and 50 cents an hour. They're spending 60 grand a year. I think it's about time. We said, thanks for stopping by and have a nice oh. day. And so, oh, wow. you know, but I was dead asleep, literally sleeping at eight o'clock, answer my phone thinking something's going on. And, you know, here I am finding out about, you know, Hey, how was that trip you took? And I said, it was no trip. And I'll tell you why. Cause y'all didn't. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, oh shit. That's a great story. Oh wow. boy. We're full of them. Aren't we? We have all these stories. You know what? And that's the thing is like, uh, with, with these podcasts, it's like, well, tell me another one. These are so good, but I don't want to put you on the spot. And uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Absolutely. Uh, but Mark, you know what? It's so funny when I talk to like morning people uh, and radio people, it's like, you know, we're all kind of like kindred spirits. You know, we oh, all God, yeah. love what we do so much. We might have been doing it for five years or 15 or 35, whatever years, but we still love it. There's nothing else we would rather do. And uh, the reason we have these stories is because we we've stayed in it. If you get, if one story trips you up and you go, this business sucks, I'm going to leave. Well, then you wouldn't have a whole lot of radio stories. So we've and the, and the good thing is, drive. right. And so many people have done exactly what you just said. They give up, they gave up. And, and see, there's a difference between people that have done this for a long time because they wanted to do it for a long time. And it's because of the passion. It's all about passion. If you're still passionate about what you do and you get good feedback and you get good ratings and you get paid well, and you make people laugh and all the things, you know, there's a passion to that. And, you know, when, when I've worked for programmers before that, you know, didn't invoke that passion in me, um, I had to find it within myself, you know, and, and when you know, you're working for somebody good when they appreciate your passion and they help, um, they help push you forward as opposed to pulling you back. You know, no one, no one's ever going to kick me in the ass to make me go forward. They're going to, they're going to have to pull my reins back. And, and, and I like fighting against those reins. I like being passionate about my job. And I tell these young guys who come through the station part time and they ask me questions about like they do you like, you know, you know, how, how do I get a job or how do I, you know, I'm like, you know, well, how do you feel about what you're doing? Are you, are you passionate about it? And I tell them, I say, I give them the analogy. I said, I want you to think about just in this city alone, how many people are, are, are on the radio getting to do like the kind of thing that I do or, or some of our competition gets to do in terms of a show about them and all the fun and carrying on and, you know, a handful, five, maybe per market, maybe 10 in a big city. 
yeah. get to do what we do. I mean, if you don't take that opportunity to take whatever talent you have, find your passion, and then just just run for it and just do what you can do to make it the best passion you can and the best and, and, and work your talent to the end, then you're just doing yourself a disservice. And, you know, you and I have seen get people wash out over and over again because they're not passionate about it. So yes, this fraternity that we're in is full of people like, you know, you and, and Kevin and, and rumble on all these other guys around the country who have the passion for what, what they do. And, and, and it's like in any business, anybody that's got passion for what they do, whether you're selling cars or real estate or whatever the case may be, if you're passionate about it, then those are the people that are successful. And so the people that, you know, want to hook up at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday and talk about radio with a friend that they haven't talked to much in 20 years, it's a thing that, you know, this shows what we feel about this business that, I think we're seeing, you know, an incredible thing with audio and podcasts and, 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 you know, this clubhouse social media is an audio based social media. We're, we're, I think in a good time for audio right now. And I'm still glad that we're part of it and passionate and have years and years still to go. Oh God, how many years I'm getting tired. I'm really like, I'm thinking about retiring. How many more years we got to go? I'm kidding. Mark, you know, <laughs> like I, I said, admire, we're all aiming to that finish line now. <laughs> I, you know what? I admire your, um, your energy and your passion. And, um, uh, you know, there, there's so many more things I want to talk to you about. And, uh, one thing that, that just kind of came up mentally was, you know, we're naming all these bros that we know in the business, you know, you and I, it's been a male dominated business for years and years and years, especially in the morning show. It's usually a dude hosts it and he's got another dude on the show and there's a woman in the background, or in my mm -hmm. case, there's a woman co-host, but you know, there's been a lot more women that are, you know, getting their own morning show in the last few years because the long, the long time complaint from men and women was okay. It's run radios run by a bunch of old dudes who think that they're, that people don't want to hear women on the radio. Well, thankfully that's changing now because there's a lot of great talented women. I mean, think of somebody like Jade Donovan and you don't have to mm -hmm. know who these people are to appreciate these stories, but Jade is somebody who's super talented, super passionate, um, uh, very successful. And then you look at mm -hmm. somebody like Andy Taylor, who is in Chicago, used to be on my show years ago. And so it's good to see, you know, oh, now yeah. that we oh, talk yeah. about rating people, it's more than just a room full of bros. You know, we always bring up morning show boot camp. And it's like, yeah, I was there with my bros. <laughs> we're hanging out of the bar. We're doing shots. And we're talking about getting laid and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was that for a long time. But now there's, it's about half and half women as it is to men. And it should be, and a lot of shows are even headlined by women, and that's the way it should be. Like you know, Rula and Ryan in, in Houston, and you know, uh, d different shows with women as the as the host. And look, funny is funny, no matter who the lead is. And and I often call my my morning show co-host, whose name is Kim, the the high wire act of our morning show, because she's not afraid to be the goofball. You know, there's an old concept in radio we used to call the dick dork deer concept, and I'm sure you remember that. You know, you've got a guy who's the sarcastic asshole. You got the the dork who's the producer stunt boy kind of guy, and you have the deer, which of course is the woman who's always, oh well, you guys are just mean and that kind of thing. Look, I got a female dork co-host, and I love it. I love it. She does the most ridiculous stuff. It makes fun of herself as we make fun of her. We switch around with the dick dork deer concept. You know, one guy is, you know, on days where she's feeling sarcastic and 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 naughty. Um, I, you know, I'm like Mr. Glass half full, which a lot of times I'm Mr. Glass half empty. So I think, you know, my, my luck in my career, I've had three morning shows with three different women, and I have always figured from the very beginning, and as the husband of one and the father of three women, that you know amplifies put them up on a pedestal let them do the things that made them you know excited about radio and things that got them into radio and watch the fun that happens after that and, I, and i've had a lot of success in really putting up on a pedestal the females on my show you and i are a lot alike i mean i i really think you know listen i i it's not that I don't want any mic time, but whoever is getting, whoever's shining right now should get the most mic time. And if, uh, if people want, if people are really good and really talented and have something to say, I don't care who's got the microphone. It certainly doesn't have to be me. So let, right, let me give an example it. of that real quick. Okay. Let me, can I give me, one, one quick example? I, okay. Um, I went, I went, auditioned at a job within my company 
um, bigger, bigger job. And this was about 10 years ago. And when I got there, I met with the current team. The, the person that had been the host was retiring and they were going to bring me in. I was kind of told I was the David Letterman in the company to his Johnny Carson, that I was the next in line for this job. And I went and met with the actual morning crew. And, and I, and I, and I said to the woman who had always been the chucklehead, the laugher, the not, not really one with a lot of content. I said, I would love for you in this week that I'm here doing these shows with you guys for you to tell me your life stories because I've heard show I've heard this show before and you're not given enough of enough limelight. I said I want you to do well, I want you to talk about the things that that interest you and so on and so forth. And and I got great feedback from them after I did that show because the week before one of our old radio buddies who will remain unnamed went in there and because he wanted to dominate every single part of the show to show off his talent to get that job, he completely ignored that female on the show and she said she said that she felt like she was almost being assaulted by his constant like picking on everybody in the room and why couldn't she be something that was more amplified and better part a better part of the show and obviously he didn't get the job and so it was one of those situations where women who listen to top 40 radio you're on a top 40 station i'm on a top 40 station love to hear stories and and have fun with the women on the radio and the guys that are pushing those to the side are are the ones that are going to lose i'll tell you that it's very true you're right it's all about relatability Mark, you're a fascinating guy. It has been a pleasure to catch up. I'll talk to you again another 20, 25 years or so. And, uh, <laughs> Looking forward to that. You know, it's funny. I promised people, I was like, yeah, but people say, Dave, how long should I expect to spend with you doing the podcast? Ah, 30 minutes tops. And we yeah. always get, you know, just like, you know, we're yeah. just having too much fun. But I'm having too much fun. It's always good to connect with you. And it's always good to chat with anybody about radio and, and someone that I've looked up to for years and someone that, um, you know, somebody that is a real leader in our industry. And it's very cool for you to be doing this podcast. So I appreciate you answering my email, begging to come on this podcast. <laughs> you did not beg. I <laughs> appreciate you being on. Mark, you take care. Continued success on and your, you too, uh, David. Uh, your station, by the way, just in case you want to check them out, Star 102.1 in uh, beautiful downtown Knoxville. So, Yep. Uh, yep. Check Come on out. down to see you sometime, you hear? <laughs> Mark, you behave yourself. <laughs> All right, thanks Dave. for being on. Thanks, man. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for Radio War Stories this week. Thanks again to my special guest, Mark Anthony. And if you are a radio veteran, I'd love to get some more women on this show. Um, uh, we've got a lot of guys on here, and I think that's great. But women have always a different perspective. they got different stories than we guys do. A lot of stories about, you know, like sexism and uh, guys that probably, I don't know, came on to them or tried to get them in the sack or the advertiser, whatever it is, like just, I bet they just have different stories. And I'd love to hear it. So if you're a woman in radio, please send me an email. We'll get you on an upcoming podcast. Send it to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Hey, thanks again. The book is on Kindle. The, the book has nothing to do really with radio war stories, although there are probably a couple in there. That's called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything, and other shit I learned the hard way. And um, it's still on Kindle, and it always will be. Okay, thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on the podcast.